many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores! Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Outsiders. It's episode 23. Bryn Griffiths along with Robin Brownlee, and our guest on the program today will be Ken Reed from Sportsnet, who's written another fascinating book with an interesting little spin on it. And we'll get to Kenny coming up in a little bit. Hey, Robin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, man? Good. You know what? I think this is actually podcast 24. I was going to correct you, but um, yes, 24 it is. You know, you're allowed to correct me at any time on this program. It's uh, we, <laughs> you know, we're uh, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imaginations. I also am on medication. So that's uh, another uh, that's another out for me. Anyway, uh, looking forward to this one today. Ken Reed, we've both known for a very, very long time. He's an East Coast boy, uh, and he's always, well, he's got passion, and that's one of the things I've always loved about Ken. Yeah, and he had, you know what, East Coast boy, came out to Edmonton, did some good work here, headed back out east, not quite as far as from where he came, but uh, always a good guest. And I would preface Ken Reed with prolific author. Yeah, yes, because he's written a new book that I'm fascinated. When we first talked about this, I went, you know, how does he come up with angles like that? And that's that's really what makes uh, somebody super successful is when they can find a different angle on whatever they do in life. But for Ken Reed, he's written a book about one goal scorers in the National Hockey League. Guys who've had, that's not even a cup of coffee, Robin, in the National Hockey League, but somebody, some guys have played a lot of games and have only scored once, and some guys played so few games and only scored once. So I'm going to be kind of curious to know how he came up with it and the research that went into that. And I'm sure that you and I have known Ken for quite some time. I'm sure he paid somebody to do that. <laughs> uh, that, would, that would be my guess. Hey, work smart, not hard. Right? Yeah, that that's an expression that we hear an awful lot of. Okay, let's uh, let's get into some of the stuff that's going on these days. It uh, it's appearing that the Stanley Cup final, which will be staged in the bubble in Edmonton, is going to feature the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is that a surprise? Not for me, but it's the Dallas Stars who it looks like they're steering up against. I'm a little surprised by that, but they've got a veteran team. So, what do you think about a Tampa Dallas Stanley Cup final? Well, I tell you what, it, it's a total surprise to me. If you go back just a few weeks, and I think you can, a person could go online, how many people thought the Dallas Stars would get past the Colorado Avalanche? They were favorites, or at the very least co-favorites, um, coming out of the West to a lot of people who, who've watched this game a long time. Dallas is a, Dallas is a hell of a story, you know. Anton Kudobin in goal you get that kind of goaltending. How many times have we seen over the years goaltending uh, get a team that didn't necessarily stand out in any other way uh, to a cup final? I can think of many, including uh, the kind of goaltending the Edmonton Oilers got here in 2006 from Dwayne Rollison in the playoffs. So you get that goalie, you get that guy in the blue paint uh, on top of his game, 
we're seeing it again. Anything's possible, man. It's funny, uh, a friend of ours, Steve Lansky, longtime producer at Hockey Night in Canada, I always remember Steve-O telling me, you know why they call it the Stanley Cup playoffs? And I said, why? why? Because you can't call it goalie. And he's absolutely right. It's a it, goalie yep. would be a dumb name. Stanley Cup uh, playoffs is, is way more appealing. But boy, if you don't if you don't get any kind of goaltending, you just don't move along. And if you don't get any kind of depth scoring, you're not going to move along as well. So anyway, Tampa, Dallas. I, by the time we get to next week's episode, I'm sure we'll just be starting the Stanley Cup final. We'll have a much better take on it than that. But I don't see. I don't see a comeback of the other two teams coming at all. Wouldn't it grind a lot of gears around here, Bryn? Uh, it would be a, the, uh, a great upset. But to have the Dallas Stars uh, parading around with the Stanley Cup in Edmonton, given outside of that Todd Marchant moment in 97. Not a lot of success. Six straight years. Yeah, six straight years against Dallas, Ken Hitchcock's Dallas Stars back then. Heartbreak uh, almost every time. Uh, now the Stars look like they're headed to that final. Good story, and I tell you what, when you get to the final, it's not a way you would bet, but in this kind of situation, I would find myself pulling for the underdog, and that's definitely Dallas. Which would require a lot of fans around the National Hockey League to look at Corey Perry and go, you know well, what? It's about time he won. You know, even though he's won, it's about time he's won again. You know, he's such a kind gentleman, but he plays the game a certain way that makes a lot of fans not want to cheer for him. There's going to be some uh, heroes. There's going to be a lot of villains in the Stanley Cup final between uh, Tampa and Dallas. To me, I think Tampa is a more likable team. But yep. it's been a while for the Dallas Stars. We'll we'll get into it next week. Like I said, we'll we'll know exactly where we're going with the Stanley Cup final by this time next week. Uh, big hockey story hitting the wire today. Does things still hit the wire, by the way, or the internet? Sure, they do. Okay. Well, anyway, Both. Jeff Ward, after having the interim head coach title with the Calgary Flames since uh, probably last November has now been named the 20th head coach in the history of the Calgary Flames. And just watching some of the responses on Twitter today, it's upsetting a lot of people. I, 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 I'm I a big Jeff Ward fan. Uh, I think he made a few uh, technical or tactical errors in the uh, playoffs. But, you know, but I've always liked Jeff Ward and his coaching ability. But what I'm starting to see while we are doing this is that Flamesville or Flames Nation is not 100% on board with this because I think that they were hoping that the Flames would go after a quote-unquote bigger name. Do you see it the same way? Well, you know, there was a lot of buzz about a couple of the decisions he made in the playoffs, uh, to be sure. Uh, You know, we got a look at Jeff Ward close up, and, um, you know, he... uh, I was always, not upset, but disappointed that the Edmonton Oilers let him get away in the first place. He was an organizational coach here. He coached the Edmonton Roadrunners during the 0405 lockout. He was the head coach. He had Kelly Buckberger as one assistant and uh, Joe Patterson as another. 
And when the NHL season shut down, uh, my newspaper sent me on the road with the Roadrunners, just as I would have covered the Oilers, home and away, uh, traveled with that group. Saw Jeff Ward, now years ago, this is before he went on to Boston as an assistant coach under Claude Julien, but saw him teach young players. Now, there were some uh, prospects. Uh, Rafi Torres and Jarrett Stoll were on that team. A bunch of other guys who who uh, didn't really go on too far in terms of the National Hockey League. But that was a chance to watch something that I hadn't seen since covering junior back in Kamloops, a coach in a teaching situation, in a development situation. He was very good with those young players. So some years have passed, but I'm happy for Jeff. He gives you what he's got. He's a student of the game. He communicates with the players. He, he talks with them, not at them. And at any level, uh, that's a good uh, first start. So big name. Uh, we've had some big names here over the years, haven't we, Bryn? And uh, they don't always work. Uh, get a guy who can command the room, who the players respect. And I think they'll have that uh, down there now in Jeff Ward. So good luck to Jeff with the new, uh, the new title in Calgary. Okay, let's talk about a few other sporting things. Toronto Raptors are out. Got beat by the yes. Boston Celtics in seven games. And I really, I got to be honest, I watched a lot of that series and I just thought that the Celtics uh, were the better team. And I'm really kind of shocked that the Raptors were able to get it to seven because they were so cold outside the three-point arc that it wasn't even funny. They were making some horribly bad decisions. A lot of people are looking at the fact that there was no Kawhi, so it all kind of came down to uh, to uh, the Lowry factor. But uh, I, they yep. just didn't seem to have it. I thought uh, there were some questionable coaching moves. Uh, you know, uh, Nick Nurse down the stretch. I, I, there, I, it just wasn't meant to be. The Boston Celtics were ready to 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 make the move and. You know, it was a, it was kind of fun to watch the the Raptors during the season, but their playoff run for me was just uh, it was a it was a melon scratcher. And uh, am I surprised they're out? No, I'm not. But I I don't know how much of it you watch. Here's the thing, too: we both have got young guys in our family that are basketball guys, right? Your son, my stepson, and so uh, the intensity level in the house is a lot greater. Uh, than it would be just uh, if it was you or me. And, I mean, I go back watching the Boston Celtics to the Dave Cowan and John Havlicek days in the 70s when the only place you could watch NBA basketball. Yeah, the only place you could watch NBA basketball was on CBS with Brent Musburger. And then during the the breaks, it was uh, Jimmy the Greek breaking it down. Like, that's how far back I go. But then, uh, like I said, it's times are different, but the Raptors are done. Well, you know what? Uh, honestly, Bryn, there was there was not that buzz and that excitement to, around the team, uh, and of course, the season was modified. We all know the circumstances everybody was playing in, so it was no advantage or disadvantage to anybody. But the way I look at it is simple as this, and it's not rocket science. Uh, you can't take Kawhi Leonard off the top and not replace him, and most teams don't have enough depth. To replace that guy. Have there been teams that could have? Yes. 
But as much as I like the kid, and he's still a kid, if Pascal Siakam is going to be one of your go-to guys, I don't think you're good enough. I think he's a hell of a player. But if you've got Pascal Siakam shooting threes, uh, that's not a balanced attack in my mind. That's not playing to a strength. Uh, he's a good player. He's got the new deal. He's going to be around for a while. But Kawhi Leonard, you can't overstate what he meant to that team last year, and you're going to miss him. And they didn't have enough to make up for lack of having him in the lineup. There was also a time where basketball teams would take the ball to the hoop. And now we're in oh, a situation yeah. where, and I watched it numerous times in this particular series, and I've seen it in a few of the other series where they move it into the paint, and then all of a sudden they just dump it back outside the arc it's like it's all about now shooting three three points. And I, I find that a little frustrating. I, I'm all about taking the easy points. And if you work it inside, it, it does give a team's defense pause for thought that you're not always just going to move it outside and shoot for three. Yeah, and, and you know what? they've Every team, and this happens in the National Hockey League, uh, and it happens in the NBA. You get a trend and teams get on it. That dominant big man is no longer a thing in the NBA, at least not right now. Where's the Shaquille O'Neal? Where's the David Robinson? Where's that dominating big guy? You know, go back further uh, to Jabbar. Now you've got uh, small forwards and big forwards, you know, the six eight, six nine guys shooting threes. A lot of perimeter game. There's there's just not that that killer in the paint right now. Okay, so the Raptor season's done, but we continue along with their playoffs out of the bubble, which has gone particularly well. The National Hockey League has also done a great job, so we've already given mm-hmm. props to them. Let's also talk about the fact that the NFL football season began this past week, and there's some great stories there. Tom Brady... Everybody everybody was excited to see how Tom Brady was going to launch with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he gets a touchdown. Not only does he get a touchdown, he, he plunges in for that touchdown. It's just like he wanted to – he was starting a new book, and he wanted to make sure the first chapter was a strong one, but it wasn't enough for the Bucs because they couldn't win, and there were some bad passes thrown by Tom Brady, but – what did uh, did you see much of that game, and do you have a thought or two on the way the new era in Tampa is underway? Well, it it doesn't look right to see him in that uniform. I mean, that's the obvious uh, observation off the top. Um, what twenty? I'm seeing twenty three of thirty six, two hundred and thirty nine yards, two TDs. Yeah. Uh, not that's. Yeah, Meh. Uh, okay. Uh, Tom Brady at, the, at this point in, in his career is not the player he once was. That shouldn't be a stop the press's uh, a news flash. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, when a guy says, you know, rise to the level that he has and has all that jewelry to show for what's been an unbelievable career, uh, you know, Brent, I sometimes look at this and hey, it's his business. You're, you're, it's his body, uh, his life. Uh, I sometimes uh, 
look away. I find myself looking away when I see truly great players at any position hang on too long. Yeah. Their call, don't get me wrong, but I don't need to see Tom Brady at this point in his career. We're not seeing the best of Tom Brady. And when you stop seeing the best of any player, uh, I'd rather just uh, move on, even if he chooses not to. I just hope we're not seeing a Washington Wizards move here. If you know what I mean, I, I I never liked it when Jordan left and went to uh, went to play with the Wizards. It just it just it's that little black mark on an unbelievably greatest of all time career, and I'm kind of hoping this uh, doesn't turn out that way for Tom Brady. Cam Newton also on the move. He uh, he's now playing for uh, Coach B and the Patriots up in Boston. And I thought he looked really good in his first game, but they've completely changed the way they they do things offensively because you got a guy who can carry the rock and throw the rock at the same time. I I, I like the way I like the way uh, Cam played. He played with an element of confidence, showed a little more restraint, but if he was pushed, he could run the football, and that's got to be a different element for a franchise that did things a certain way under Tom Brady. When, when he was the uh, on-field leader? A totally different player. I mean, uh, you know, Tom Brady, uh, yes, he's a, he, nobody in that position isn't an athlete, but he's a thinking man's guy. He beats you with his brain, and he beats you by using all the tools he had at his disposal. Cam Newton is a big, strong athlete. He can run through you, he can run around you, and he can throw the ball. That's a totally different dynamic to have a big physical quarterback uh, behind center than it is a, a, a Brady. It's it's just a completely different look. And when you have a coaching staff that's smart, you're going to you're going to tweak and move that offense around um, to take advantage of that. I I, I think he's going to be one of the more compelling stories this season to see how he does. Los Angeles Rams open things up at uh, SoFi Stadium. Costs $4 billion. It's the most expensive stadium ever built. And for game one, there's like nobody in there, obviously. Uh, I, I As I'm watching the Sunday night football game, I'm thinking to myself, gee, it'll be great to see that building fully operational with actual fans in the stadium. But man, what a beautiful looking stadium in Inglewood it is. And in case you're wondering, where is it? It's right where the old fabulous form was. And also where Hollywood uh, Hollywood Park Racetrack was, so uh, if you're flying into LAX, you're going to fly right over top of that stadium, for the most part. But it is an absolute gem from what I've been watching and seeing it. I can hardly wait to. Uh, and who knows how long it's going to take before anybody even wants to fly in to LAX or go to the U.S. <laughs> but it's an unbelievable looking stadium. How do you spend that? And I love it. I mean, hey, build, build the all the bells and whistles and all the tech you can. I mean, I think it's terrific if somebody's going to spend that money. But you know, four billion bucks. I, I mean, know. Holy crap, man! I'm thinking of some of the uh, iconic. You know, let's stick with stadiums of the past. Here we are in an era. Let's put it this way: if you want to talk iconic, opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, you got this new stadium, it's in a media center and it's fabulous. I mean, I haven't 
seen a virtual tour of all of it or anything, but four billion bucks. Now there's another iconic uh, field. It's not. Uh, it's baseball. Think of how much did it cost? Do you think to to build Fenway Park? You know, or some of well, the. I mean, I get it. I a totally different era, uh-huh. but it's like okay. All the stadiums we've seen, hey, in our National Hockey League days, Bryn, you go around, sometimes you're there for a couple of days, you go watch a, 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 a NFL game, yeah. you know, at old McNichols Arena in, in Denver, you used to walk out and next door was Mile High Stadium. I'm not, it's not what this is, but it's like, you know, hey, the Denver Broncos play there. <laughs> Was that even forty million bucks to build a stadium like that? Uh, you know what? Four billion. Both uh, both facilities are now gone in Denver, and they've got new facilities. Yeah, but, but yeah, no, I mean the four billion dollar price tag to build it is, uh, while it's huge in the scope, and and I just think that the design is unbelievable. But is the four billion more a reflection on where we are economically, or is did they put all of that in anyway? We're we're going to get to a point where we're going to be in Los Angeles at some point. Who knows if we get the COVID thing looked after and it'll be a yeah. definite stop on, uh, on most sports fans lists. I got to tell you though, the two biggest stadiums I've ever been in the new Wembley in, uh, in London uh, was there yeah. for an FA cup final. Uh, it was unbelievable. And uh, a few years ago I had a chance to uh, get into Dallas and their beautiful stadium that uh, the house that Jerry built and paid for mostly. The new one. Yeah, the new one. And both are around 90,000 seats for fans. And yep. uh, it's amazing how both of them don't feel like you're being overpowered by all these uh, all these fans in, in the house. But there's some beautiful stadiums out there, beautiful hockey arenas out there. But I just I, – I thought watching it on Sunday Night Football, it was the, the star of the show – and uh, the game between Dallas and the Rams was kind of secondary, but uh, it just seemed weird to see the opening game and nobody there. And hopefully, we can get yep. well past that. Hey, listen, oh, we will eventually. I know, I know, we will. I just, uh, I, I just hope it's, I hope it sooner rather than later. All right, let's uh, let's get to Ken Reed from Sportsnet, and let's find out more about his book. Also, the other thing too, this past year we lost. We lost Eddie Shack, and he wrote a book on Eddie Shack. So maybe we can yes. talk to him a little bit about that as well. But Ken Reed from Sportsnet joining us right here on the Outsiders. You know, for a lot of guys, their one goal is to get to the National Hockey League. But I never thought of it this way. What if you're a guy that gets to the National Hockey League, doesn't play a ton, and only scores one goal? Well, Ken Reed from Sportsnet is joining us. Okay, before we start talking about that, where are you right now? I'm in my car, uh, not driving, for yes. the record. I'm yeah. going to head out and play 18 shortly, which is nice. I'm, I'm trying to be the Sportsnet version of Brian Mudrick, who golfs every day. I've got a, I've getting in and around every ten days, so I'm nobody just yet. You're you're becoming something of a prolific author here, Ken, and uh, which is amazing for a TV guy because most of them can't put together a sentence to save their lives. Oh my! But 
this is a this is such a cool idea. How did this pop into your mind? I mean, I can see guys who only played one game or other various uh, things like that. The one goal club. How did you come up with this? Thanks, Robin. Well, it's funny you use the word prolific author because I don't even think of myself as a writer. You're a far better writer than I am. I I think of myself as uh, a guy who's just transcribing and maybe putting in a couple words of my own, but. Yeah, the book's called One to Remember, and it's kind of an offshoot of One Night Only. One Night Only was, you know, I always dreamed of scoring, playing one game in the NHL, maybe even if I step on the ice for eight seconds. But, you know, my, like most of us, when I was a young lad, I figured I, I discovered that wasn't going to happen. But um, One Night Only did really well, and I thought, geez, what, what could compare to playing one game in the NHL? Um, what if he scored one goal? And... One night at work, I had our stats guy, Steve Fallon, look up how many guys in the NHL in the history of the league have scored one goal. It, it's approximately 400, 420, and it, it shifts from year to year, day to day, right? Because one guy will make his debut score one, and the next game he'll get another one, and he's out of the club. But what amazed me was there was guys who played a single game and got a goal. There was guys who played 200 games and got a goal. So I wanted to know just, I mean, like you guys know, everybody has a story, and I wanted to know, uh, much like along the, the lines of playing one game, was the one goal enough? Um, is it bittersweet? Is it sweet enough? Uh, does it mellow over time? And, and how does that one goal in the National Hockey League fit into your, at times, vast professional careers, your hockey careers, and, and at times of your life? Where, where does it fit in your life story? So I called up uh, roughly, well, I called up 39 guys, and I got their stories. To back this up before we start getting into the into the deeper part of this, how long did it take to to go through the the book and find well, out how many guys have only scored one goal in the National Hockey League? And I love the fact well, that, that you were able to hand it off to somebody. Absolutely, I got like like don't work hard, work smart. Yeah, but our staff at work, Steve Fallon, he's an absolute genius. It's funny he used to work at the Score and. Uh, the score had that show where they tried to pick a sportscaster out and, and these kids would come in. I know more about sports than anyone and everyone would kind of snicker and say, no, you don't. Well, I'll know more than sports about anybody in this building. They'll say, no, you don't. And Steve Fallon's the guy that they were talking about. This guy is a sports genius. He got the list for me. It, it, it literally just takes some seconds. I don't know how he does this stuff, but he had it for me by the end of the night. I, uh, he said, yeah, give me a second. I'm doing some stuff. And he had it for me by the end of the night. So, when we, like like Robin said, most of us TV talking heads, you know, we're not meant to candidates. So when we say something really smart on Sportsnet or I say something really smart or not in relation to Degrassi Junior High or the Dukes of Hazard or it's the smart stat, that comes from Steve Fellows. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, Ken, you're, you are a, you know, you don't have to be a Mensa member. It's a heck of a good idea. I mean, these things, these are the kind of things guys talk about uh, yeah. over a beer or around the kitchen table or when they're together watching hockey. Uh, hey, remember this guy? Remember that guy? Sometimes somebody you know even knows some of these guys. When yeah. your book came out, I got to admit, I had to look up a guy who played uh, in Lethbridge and also played in Kamloops when I was there. First round pick, I think 12th overall. Uh, by the Minnesota North Stars, named Warren Babe. He okay. was he was going to be a stud. He was a stud. Concussion problems knocked him out. He had to retire. He spent some time in the minors. 
a handful of games in the NHL, but he retired with two goals. So he didn't make the list because I was really looking forward to uh, talking about him if he made your book. Because you know what I did? Your book got this ball rolling. I thought about Warren Babe. I looked him up. Now I've looked him up on social media. And he's a guy who is now rides a Harley Davidson, goes to Sturgis to that big event that all the bikers go to and he's a bodybuilder who's won all kinds of events in the master's class because he's like 52 years old now so that's what you can get from a cool idea like this book that's, that's, that's just what it is like you, go, you literally go down memory lane with this book right it's one of those things where where um, you, you, it, it what, what, it opens a wormhole, I guess, is what you're saying. And you go, like, I'm like you guys. I go from Hockey DB page to Hockey DB page. And on Hockey DB, they're just names. But, but all these guys have. I mean, guys would show up. Some of the guys I knew, some of the guys I didn't know. But when they'd show up, man, and I'd get a chuckle because there's so many guys like Kimby Daniels. I remember when Kimby uh, Daniels came out, I used to collect his hockey cards. I thought Kimby Daniels was going to be an absolute stud in the National Hockey League. So I wanted Kimby Daniels for this book when I found out he was on the one goal list. So fast forward to a year and a half ago, I think it was, uh, Hockey Day in Canada, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. We are in Speedy Creek. We're in Swift Current. And I'm getting dressed in the room for the alumni game because, you know, they got me in it, Ron's in it, uh, you know, uh, Lanny's in it, all the guys who travel, and, and it's all Swift current Broncos alumni. Who's two seats down from me in the dressing room? He's on my team, Kimby Daniels. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to him about it. He says, yeah, we'll do an interview. So I called him a couple weeks later. And I thought Kimby Daniels was just going to be this this absolute sniper. And uh, it turns out, same deal. Same deal with your buddy there from Sturgis. He wrecked his knee. You know, it's 1990 Madison. We're not where we are today. He lost a ton of speed, but he kept enough speed to keep on playing. He ended up playing until he's like 35 years old for Anchorage in the East Coast League, and he still lives up in Alaska. So there's all these tremendous stories. And, and what's so incredible, too, is you see these guys who were just studs in junior, and for whatever reason, as we know, it didn't translate, but at least they got just a little, little, little taste. Ken Reed from Sportsnet joining us. We're talking about his new book, which uh... – I, I, when I heard the, the premise, I loved it. But I'm curious to know, when you track guys down and you told them that the reason why you're phoning them is because they have scored one goal in the National Hockey League, did they laugh? Mm-hmm. Did they uh, kind of cringe a little bit? Yeah. I mean, what was the reaction from these guys? Uh, a laugh. And are you serious? You're doing a book on this? I love Much it. like for, for one night only. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a guy, the guys would say, how the hell are you going to get a book out of one goal? And I'd say, well, you know, let's, let's just shoot the breeze here and see where we end up. And, man, like a lot of stories, you just go to places you'd never think. There's a guy in the book. This one blew my mind. So, again, it's, uh, you know, you, you're looking down the Hockey DP page, and there's a guy named John English. He played for the L.A. Kings, uh, late 80s. Uh, so in the, in hockey DB, he's got something like three games played four points. So I say, how can a guy get four points in three games, not get more than a sniff, right? 
So uh, he says his first game in the National Hockey League, it's the Kings at the Flames, and it's a 10-8 game. He gets a goal and two assists. Uh, and, and his coach, Robbie Petorek, makes a beeline for him at the end of the game. And he's thinking, you know, I'm going to get a pat on the back. Petorek basically loses on him. You're not here to score points. You're here to be tough. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Fast forward, he plays a game. I think his next game was in Edmonton. His third game's in L.A. The playoffs roll around. And he unleashes the most amazing story that I think I've, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I, 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 are you serious? So he's in the playoffs with the Kings. It's the year before the Kings gets Gretzky, get Gretzky. So it's the 88-89 season. And uh, he plays a game in the playoffs, and he's a healthy scratch. He's a healthy scratch. and He knows he's going to be a healthy scratch again. So him and the boys go out for a couple one night before a game. All the guys who know they're going to be a healthy scratch. They get into a bar fight with some guys and you know as hockey players are known to do they're pretty strong so he wins the bar fight unfortunately a couple hours later an hour later the guy that he beat up in the bar fight comes back and stabs him in the leg and i hope i say this right my dad's a doctor i should know this but i'm not a scientist femoral artery you know the big the big vein in your leg artery in your leg with all the blood supply so he stabs him there with the intention to kill him Bleeding all over the place. He's taken to hospital. I don't want to give the rest of the story away, but you can kind of figure out why his NHL Ugh. career ends after that. And I am just blown away by this story. And I write it up, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, how have I never heard of this? And I run into Glenn Healy a couple months later at a Road Hockey Conquer Cancer event, and I say to Glenn, Glenn, you played with this guy? And he's like, yep. And he told me the story. I had never heard that before. And amazingly, this guy kept playing. He kept playing pro hockey after this. So that's the kind of story I'd get when I'd call up the, the talk to a guy about one goal. So on the, as you guys know, on the old stat sheet, it says one goal. But when I thought of what went into that one goal and what happened after that one goal, I was just, I, I couldn't believe it. And there's a lot of stories in the book that kind of snapped my head like that. There was a lot of stories in the book that that made me think, man, if this guy just came around at a different time. You guys remember Mickey Dupont yep, played yep. had a little cup of coffee with the Flames. Great, great junior player in the dub. Mm-hmm. Picture Mickey Dupont in the NHL right now. Like I, I, I'm watching hockey the other night, uh, playoffs a week or two ago, and Hughes from uh, from Vancouver. Dude is five ten, one seventy, and he's by far the best defenseman on that Vancouver team. Best defenseman in the lineup, and I'm thinking. Mickey DuPont's draft year was 1999. Mickey DuPont was drafted in the final round of that draft by the Flames, something like 240 overall, I want to say. I mean, nowadays, I'm thinking, is Mickey DuPont a first-round pick? So just, you know, wrong place, wrong time, one goal. Are you bitter? Was it enough? So th- that, those are what the stories are about. Well, well, can you talk? You go back even a little further, talk about wrong time, wrong, wrong place. Remember guys like... Dale Durkach and Steve yep. Tajura, who were not just small, they were minute. They had yep. all the skill in the world, but zero chance of playing in their era. Even a guy who came along a little bit later, like Cliff Ronning, coming mm-hmm. off a 197-point season in New Westminster, had to sort of break in as a power play specialist. He ended up having a, a really good career, but totally different time for sure. Now, mm-hmm. when you looked at these guys, was Daniels for you 
the highest skill guy that only fell into the one goal club? Or was there anybody else that was a huge surprise for you? There is a guy named Darren Hader who played at yep. the University of New Hampshire. They call him, his nickname is Minnie. So that tells you how big he is. <laughs> Darren now is a real estate agent in Milton, Ontario. I watched some of his video and you're just going, what in the hell? This guy is a stud at the American League level. One goal in the National Hockey League. He did score it on Marty Brodeur. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And just another, like, just uber, uber skilled. Uh, Christian Dubé, Norm Dubé's son. And, and this is another thing about these one goal guys. What team drafts you? So Christian Dubé is trying to break in with the New York Rangers in, you know, 1997, 1998, 1996, around there. Well, if you're the New York Rangers and you need a guy, you just go pay him. Like the New York yeah. Rangers on paper were an all-star team. The results always didn't say that. So he's trying to play center on a team with Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier and whatever other veteran. He rides the buses for a year and a half and just says, you know what, I don't want to do this. Discovers that since he played minor hockey in Switzerland, that he's got a Swiss passport. He qualifies. He can play in Switzerland as a local. He's still over there. He's the general manager of a team now in the Swiss League. So this whole career opened for him. Um, other skilled guys. I mean, there were so many guys who were, who were just uber skilled, like Mickey DuPont, I mentioned, comes to mind. Darren Hadar. So many guys that, that were just super skilled and so many guys that were just drafted by the wrong team. Uh, Mark Hadshide guy, yep. you know, trying to break in with the Oilers in the mid-80s. Like, think about that. I mean, he's a center. He's trying to break in with the Oilers. He's trying to play that rough and tumble game. Well, the Oilers can just go get Craig McTavish to do that, right? Who's a who's a veteran guy? Just just wrong place, wrong time, or was it right place, right time? Because they still got that one goal. So, was there a pride factor in scoring one goal in the NHL? At least they could say that, and at least they could prove that at a party if you had to go to the database. Because <laughs> we've all heard the stories yeah. about guys saying, "I played in the NHL," and People go to the yeah. database and find out that they never existed. But when uh, right. I, I'm assuming, I, I'm starting to get a sense from you, Ken, that uh, guys would probably just uh, chuckle a little bit right out of the gate because they're going, that's an interesting angle. I don't know how it's going to sell yeah. books. But to me, the fact that a guy would score his only goal against Marty Brodeur is a fascinating stat in itself. Right. Yeah. Well, I always know this. Guys who brag that they're on Hockey Database either aren't on it or they're on for three games they played in a junior A-league somewhere. <laughs> um, most of the guys, you know, they'll say, yeah, the puck's somewhere. I don't have the puck. Some guys honestly didn't care. Like, there was a couple guys who just, not ah, whatever. You know, something I did. Other guys are very proud of it. I'd say the majority of guys are very proud. One guy in the book kind of said, you know, I kind of just kept playing because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I was a high pick, but I didn't really have the passion for it. So, you know, I played because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. That made me kind of go, wow, you know, if that was me, I would have kept playing, but that wasn't me. So it's, it's their stories. Um, most guys are pretty proud of it. And like everything, time heals all wounds. Uh, there weren't a lot of guys who were bitter, but there were guys who, you know, it, it kind of didn't matter to them. But most guys were, were pretty proud of it. But uh, like I said to a couple guys in the book, I said if I scored one goal in the National Hockey League, I wouldn't brag about Hockey DB. I'd have a, go- a T-shirt that said I scored a goal in the NHL. But most of these <laughs> most guys don't go around don't go around bragging about it, uh, despite the fact that 
that three wannabes like us would, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Ken, yeah. T- tell me this. Was there a story, uh, it could be a, a great success story completely away from the game, um, or on the other end of the scale, is there a real tough story out there among uh, the guys uh, you talked to? Uh, I didn't call up anybody who seemed to have fallen on hard times. Um, one of the greatest success stories away from the game, and, and again, this is this is when you call a guy who has one goal, and, and it kind of amazes you. Hank Lamons, he was a defenseman for the Ottawa Senators. At the same time, he took a year off and became a, a, a world champion in sailing, represented Canada in the Olympics in sailing, was huh. nominated for the Lou Marsh Award, lost to Elvis, I believe it was Elvis Stoiko he lost to. And I'm thinking, I said, Hank, you're, like, you're the Bo Jackson of Canada, man. How come nobody knows about this? You're a two-sport athlete. He's like, you know, it's because it's sailing, you know, and sailing's not high on the radar. And and to boot, Hank now is a he's a big time wheeler dealer on Wall Street. So I tracked him down. He's running some rock and roll company on Wall Street, making a you know mon- managing money. Um, incredible to me that a guy could take a year off from hockey, uh, sail, come back. And then he was thinking of coming back and he got an offer to play for the national team. So he almost made Canada's Olympic team in hockey as well. So he could have been, much like Haley Wickenheiser played softball and hockey, Hank could have done sailing and hockey, which I thought was, was I thought that was a pretty incredible Hmm. story as well. Um, There's a lot of guys who stayed in the game, coaching, uh, and for the love of it, not necessarily at the highest level, but at, you know, junior A level, uh, club hockey in colleges, things like that. But most of the guys I, I talked to, for the most part, I think, uh, had, hadn't fallen on hard times. Nobody I talked to really had fallen on hard times, which I was relieved to hear. And again, I mean, I just picked out a variety of names from the list. I mean, obviously, I didn't talk to anyone who's deceased. But uh, luckily, all the guys I contacted were doing pretty well. Ken Reed from Sportsnet joining us, and we're talking about his new book uh, about guys who scored one goal in the NHL, and that was it. Were they all top shelf goals when you started talking to guys? I think so. After a while, they're always top shelf, aren't they? Uh, yeah, some guys are like, oh, it was the greasiest goal, you know, ever. Um, there was uh, Stumpy Thomas, Steve Thomas. Yeah. His, his son Christian scored a single goal in the NHL. Christian plays in the KHL now, uh, much like much like Stumpy. Kids world class. Stumpy's an all timer man. What a great guy. His son was a great fellow to talk to. You can YouTube it. Christian Thomas NHL goal. It is a beauty. Like if you're going to score a goal in the NHL and you're only going to score once, score it at the Bell Center for the Montreal Canadiens and score it the way Christian scored it. Absolutely beautiful, beauty goal. <laughs> so. Tell me, Ken, uh, where are people getting this book if they want it? Sure. Uh, if you want to get it, you can pre-order it. You can order it right now on Amazon, Amazon.ca. Yep. The name of the book is One to Remember, One to Remember. It will also be in bookstores nationwide uh, very shortly. It'll probably start rolling into bookstores, I would say, by October 1st. It'll be available yep. in bookstores nationwide. So please support your local bookstore if you can. If you can get out and make an old-fashioned brick-and-mortar purchase, do that. If not, you can buy it on Amazon. And, you know, uh, 
I'm no Shakespeare. I'm up. Uh, uh, I'm no big name. Uh, there's some awesome hockey books coming out this year. But if you if you just want a book, like you said, Rob, and these are stories that guys tell over a beer. And the way I write, I I write this like you're sitting with the guy having a beer. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not using a thesaurus because I don't understand most of the words in it. I don't expect people to be understanding all kinds of crazy words. I'm not a wordsmith. I'm just a dude who likes to spin a good tale. And luckily I had these dudes who helped me out and spun some good ones. But I mean, I was just thinking the other day, my brother called me. He said, yeah, guy called me. He said, he got your book. He said, you mailed it to him. So I, I try any guy that I interviewed who asked for a book, I, I sent him a book, uh, including guys in the United States. So hopefully the mail's still working down there. But it was, uh, it was Chris McRae who called me up and my brother said, does he know Basil McRae? I said, it's his brother. He's like, did they ever go? I said, they, he actually tells me the story in the book of how they played against each other in Toronto. And if, a, and if a fight was on the table, so all kinds of cool little stories in there. So are we, I, I gotta, you know, you, you say you're not a writer. How many books is this for you now? This is six. Yeah. Well, you're a writer. The third wheel on this on this podcast is supposed to be a writer for thirty five years. Guess how many books? Zero. <laughs> Bupkis. None. Robin. Are you so? Are we going to see a book about brothers who fought each other anytime soon, or what's the oh, next man. idea, Ken? You know what? I'm actually on pause right now. Um, I wrote this book was funny coming about because I wrote the Eddie Shack book in the middle of doing this book. I just wanted to get I got there. The call. Yeah. Yeah. I got the call about doing Eddie's book. Um, let's see. It would have been, what year is it? Well, it's 2020. I got the call about doing Eddie's book in around January, February of 2019. I said, Oh, I'm doing this other book. And we chatted and I met Eddie and I'm like, well, I have to write Eddie's book. And, uh, so I wrote Eddie's book in the middle of this one. So maybe I'm having a little burnout. I don't know. Um, it's funny too, cause I do most of my writing while the kids are at school and for the last six months, kids have been at school. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really have an idea at the moment. Uh, I've, I've put it this way. I've talked to a former player very lightly about maybe writing something with him, but nothing, nothing concrete just yet. Let's go back to Eddie though. We lost Eddie this past yeah. year as we've lost to Dale Howard, Howard Chuck as well. It's, it's been a brutally tough year, but uh, when you heard about Eddie, uh, I'm guessing no matter where you were, whether you were on the fourth tee or you were setting up, getting ready to do your evening uh, cast on Sportsnet, all these memories have to come flashing through your brain about uh, uh, about that whole process because Eddie was such a colorful character, was he not? Oh my God. I just think about how lucky I was that Eddie shared all this time with me. And I mean, it's one thing, you know, when I was a kid, I remember him playing old timers game against my dad. I think Eddie played in every rink in Canada. Um, but then to sit in his garage with him and have a glass of wine and watch him smoke a cigar and lean back and just kind of recall all these stories. And then, you know, even, even after he was done recalling the stories, just those quiet, you know, even with Eddie, quiet moments of reflection and just for him to open his house up to me and his first wife, Norma, for invite me over. That was, um, I mean, when I look at that book, it was such a different book. Um, it wasn't like pictures meant like pictures meant so much to Eddie because Eddie couldn't read or had 
severe trouble reading, depending on which story you believe. But that book to me was, was special because we set out with the plan just to write your traditional 60,000 to 80,000 word autobiography. But pictures meant so much to Eddie and he would tell his stories through pictures. He'd get this picture and he'd tell me the story. So I started thinking and I'm thinking, well, we have to have, we have to have pictures in this book. And he wanted his friends to contribute, not just behind the scenes, but he wanted, you know, Bobby Hall's name in there. He wanted to see if he could get a Wayne story in there. So then this, this idea came about for the way we did the book and just to get to spend all that time with Eddie was, was awesome. He got, he got the news that he was in tough, you know, kind of right after Christmas. So that, that stunk. And then the news about Dale, Dale was such a great guy. I was very fortunate to get to meet Dale through these. Uh, we do a lot of, I do a lot of, uh, events with a company called Jackson events. We're on the MC for these kind of traveling road shows we put on where the hockey players get drafted and Dale and I did a ton of those together. And Dale is just a wonderful guy. I got the MC his, his golf tournaments and stuff like that. And he's just such a generous down to earth man. And like most old time hockey players who were superstars, you'd never know it. Just a quality, quality guy. So yeah, it was a, it was a rough year losing those two guys. Well, especially Eddie, your book covers so well, you know, how he came up and for a guy who had to overcome a lot of things, he, it seemed to me, and I didn't know Eddie well, I'd see him around the rink in Toronto and we'd go out there occasionally. He not lived life like it was his last day, but he seemed to find such joy in everything. He always had a big smile. He pump your hand with the handshake. Um, he, uh, to, to use an old term, he had a hell of a good run. It's too bad it's over, but Eddie Shack made yeah. sure he had a hell of a good run, didn't he? He did. Like Jack Valakat said, he said he said a couple things about Eddie. Jack Valakat, great old Toronto Maple Leaf, old Colorado Rocky. Jack said, Eddie can't read, but Eddie can count. One million, two million, three million. <laughs> and he said, the, and the best thing Jack said that he could say about Eddie is I never, ever saw Eddie have a bad day. And that's true. The guy was always smiling. Man, we did a book signing at Chapters in Oshawa. There's this massive lineup. And he, like, when you meet Eddie, he just doesn't scribble the name, right? He gives you a beautiful signature, but he also gives you an experience. The stuff he was saying would land a younger man, probably in jail. Uh, get, he'd lose his job in today's world. But Eddie had a way he could say anything. But he didn't say it to hurt. He said it to help. Whatever Eddie said was to make you laugh, to give you that Eddie Shack experience. And in a real sensitive world, um, if I were to say stuff like that, it wouldn't fly. And Eddie didn't. Eddie, he never, ever, ever did anyone to offend, anything to offend someone purposely. <laughs> he was just Eddie. And hopefully you got it. And everybody in that lineup at Oshawa that day, he just made them smile. And we did a signing at the, at the big sports card expo here and, you know, it's 40 bucks for a book and Eddie signs it and the guy'd sneak in a hockey card and Eddie'd say, no problem. And he'd, he'd look at the card, he'd tell the story of the card. And it was just, it was awesome just to be Eddie's, uh, uh, his one man entourage, I guess, for those few months. It was fun. Ken Reed of Sportsnet joining us on the Outsiders today. Okay, let's talk about some other hockey stuff going on. Uh, we, you know, just found out before we started up here today that Jeff Ward is finally 
been named the head coach of the Calgary Flames. We knew him when he was in Edmonton and was coaching the Roadrunners. We've been watching him with the Flames. I've loved the job he's done. But for some fans in Calgary, I think they were looking for a bigger name to come in and coach that team. But I like the decision to uh, give Jeff the reins of the hockey team. Uh, your your thoughts on that and anything else that's going on in hockey right now, including the bubble? Yeah, I like what, I like what Jeff did with the Flames. I think the Flames are going to have an, a pretty interesting offseason. they got some things they're going to have to address. I mean, do they go on with the core they have? Do they maybe start her up again? Um I know the Johnny Goodrow name, that's a, it's a big name, but he's a guy that's going to get you postseason success. I think they're going to have to figure that out. I seriously cannot believe the NHL has pulled this off. I can't believe the NBA pulled it off either. I was a guy who didn't think it was going to happen. I like to think of myself as an optimistic guy, but man, I got to give a big high five to the NHL for what they've done. Just absolutely incredible. I mean, we, everybody likes to pick their favorite league apart, but I think sometimes you just got to sit back and tip your cap. So I think what the NHL has done is awesome. Uh, I'll admit I'm probably rooting for the Dallas Stars because of Rick Bonus. I mean, who in the hockey world wouldn't like to see Rick hoist the Stanley Cup? Mm-hmm. Man, the guy's been around for forever. Plus, you know, the, the, the bias Nova Scotia connection. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw that, that in there as well. Yeah, yeah there's that as well. But um, really happy for Rick. Uh, I can't believe that, that Dallas is beating Vegas. Uh, but, you know, Hudobin's been incredible. Uh, it's so funny too with with playoff hockey. We can analyze it till the cows come home. But if you got the best goalie, mm-hmm, you're probably going to do pretty good in the playoffs. Well, and just back to the bubble thing too, Ken. I mean, we all care about the the results, and that's that's the story. But when this started, you go, "How are they going to pull this off?" And yeah. we haven't had we haven't had anybody test positive. When you think of how the potential of that many players, at least when the play-in started, now we've, we've, we've whittled it down. It really is remarkable that both Toronto during their time before things moved out here and Edmonton mm-hmm. has, has done that kind of job because yeah. you could have you bet this in Vegas and made a lot of money saying to this oh. point, knock on wood, no infections. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps we as a society can learn from what the NHL and what the NBA have done. Keep your distance, man. Um, wear a mask, do the right thing. Uh, believe in science, maybe, you know, maybe this is a, an opening to the larger world. I don't want to get too political, but you know what? Science seems to have answers now and again, not, uh, like my, like my brother always says, who knew that all we needed to solve the world's conspiracy theories were no high school diploma and a Facebook account. So believe in science people. Do you, uh, Ken, there's been stories and we've heard them out of Orlando and didn't hear any out of Toronto, but now, you know, everything's kind of consolidated in Edmonton about the fact that there have been some people who might have punctured the bubble a little bit. Guests, visitors for the players. Mm -hmm. Uh, You believe in any of these rumbles and stories? Have you heard anything like that? I haven't heard anything like that. Um, I can't imagine how difficult it is on the players. So respect to them, respect to the coaches, respect to the officials, everybody who's in that bubble. Uh, There's some of us who wouldn't like to have visitors for a few months. There's some of us who would like to have the occasional visitor. Uh, I haven't heard anything uh, either way. I think there was a uh, a guy in the NBA who might have been sent home because there was a visitor or something like that. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, no. But 
respect to all the guys and girls who are in there. Cause that can't be, that can't be easy, especially the guys with kids. I mean, my goodness, those videos of, of guys from the NBA and guys from the NHL going home when they see their kids, those are special. Yeah. So we have to remember there's a human side as well, right? It's not, it's not all about uh, pucks in deep and, uh, you know, analytics. By the way, I, I was, honest to God, there's an analytic. Robin, you'll love this. I saw it the <laughs> other day. It said, this team puts the, throws the puck in the other team's zone more than any, and then they go and fight for it. It's chip in place. And I go, oh, what? they've discovered another one. The dump and chase. Who knew? Who knew? You're, oh, you're, my God. You're going to uh, get me in trouble. We could do a whole podcast on this on and generate all kinds of hate mail because I tell you what, you know, there's nothing really new. Hey, if you want to come up with a formula and a new term for it, go ahead. Exactly. But please exactly. don't, pre- don't pretend it's new. It's just another way of looking right. at what we've been looking at since Thank the first puck was dropped. Okay, Robin, here's the other one that gets me, buddy. I discovered this one right before the uh, Hockey Day in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I just go, oh, my God. Oh my God. It says, and it's a graphic and it's of a home plate and they put it in front of the net and they go, most goals in the national hockey league are scored from the home plate area. I go the home plate area. And I look at it, I go, you mean the slot? You mean the blue paint, the blue paint. Imagine if Ryan Smith were privy to this information, how many goals he would have scored from the home plate area. I go, you're, you know, and by the way, guys, just so you know, I've come out with an, uh, with my, my new, uh, the title of my new, uh, book is called one to remember, but I'd like to call it the paper story collection. It's a new name for a book. So just because you give something a new name doesn't mean it never happened before. And that's, what's driving me nuts about this analytic stuff. Just thought I'd get that. Imagine if a guy like Phil Esposito knew about the home plate when he played. I, I mean, I know some goals from that area, wouldn't he? It, it, it blows my mind. I'm like, you guys, you know, we've been telling guys to go to the blue paint forever. You know, we've been got dump and chase. Like, have you not? Did you never watch Coach's Corner? Like, mother of pearl. Like, you're not telling me anything I don't know. And just because you give it a different name doesn't mean you discovered it. Ah. <sighs> I, we don't want to get you all wound up because you're about to head out in the golf course and we know you got to get out there yeah, and swing yeah, I, the clubs. I, I, I got to get calmed down for the first tee, boys. I'm going yeah. to be swinging like, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau. I don't need that. Listen, thanks for your time. We'll let thank you get you out to the putting green. It's great to see you again. Guys, call me anytime. Robin, thank you. Bryn, stay healthy, buddy, okay? Yeah, we will do. And, hey, Ken, uh, uh, and remember okay. on the first tee, hit it as hard as you can. That's right. I'm going to try to place it down the middle or drive the ball. Whoa! By the way, there's this green yeah. green part down the middle called the fairway, but a lot of guys don't visit that enough. Oh, really? I, I believe that's the straight line area. Yeah, so uh, so good luck with that, and we'll talk soon, okay? And uh, once again, the name of the book. One to Remember. Get it now on Amazon or at your local bookstore. One to Remember by Ken Reed, courtesy ECW Press. So there you go, Ken Reed from Sportsnet joining us today. If only he had a little more passion, if only he was a little <laughs> more excitable and uh, 
enthusiastic, we'd probably have him on more. Well, I love a guy who's got six books out there who says he's not really a writer. I tell you what, you've got six books out there. Uh, you're a writer. Maybe you're making most of your dough as a, uh, known as a broadcaster, but uh, his books are quirky. His books are fun. And obviously, unfortunately, the way things uh, have unfolded, uh, the timing of the Eddie Shack book was good. I'm glad Ken got to spend that time with him and write about him because we both know it was a real kick for him to do it. And uh, on we go. And this latest one, a lot of fun. Are you a book guy or are you an e-book guy? No, I'm still a book guy. I go, I'll, I'll go into the local bookstores. I like that hard copy. I still, I mean, I read online like crazy, but yeah, I like it because if I if I've heard something's good and it's been well received, or it's been uh, written by uh, somebody I know, uh, I like to read it and then put it up on the bookshelf so down the road my son can read it, just have it, leaf through it again a, a, a year later. Yeah, I'm I'm still a book guy. I am for the most part, but I have definitely moved over to eBooks. I I did. I think the very first ebook that I downloaded actually was our friend Mark Spector, who we should probably get on the on the podcast mm-hmm. at some point. Speck wrote about the Battle of Alberta, and uh, I read that one online. Might have been one of the very first ones I dug into. Just mm-hmm. got through Howard Stern's very long second book, which is unbelievably great in my estimation. He's turned into one of the best interviewers on the planet after mm-hmm. the shock jock thing was done. But I I just want to plug a book that I pulled off my bookshelf. It's called Paddle to the Amazon. And this was this book I got 40 years ago. That's how long ago I've had this book. Oh. And it's about a father and his two sons. The father is Don Starkel, and he's since passed away, obviously, because it's a 40-year-old book. But I like reading this book every five, six, or seven years. And it's talking about... Uh, the three of them, and they're paddling all the way from Winnipeg to the Amazon River, and it's it's a great it's a great book. I just don't know where you can get it anymore, but it's one of those books that I go back and forth with because I just think there's a great story in there. You want to talk about an athletic endeavor? It's not a true sports book, but it's uh, it's it's a good one for me. I just happen to see it on the bookshelf here. Anyway, listen, we better dash. And uh, but we we got to do some uh, house cleaning first. People are always welcome to email us, and we're getting more emails, and I love it. And you can email us at mightymouth at shaw.ca. That's mightymouth at shaw.ca. That comes to me. I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. It's also essential that uh, you know you tell your friends or you subscribe or hit our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites. And retweets are the thing that really pushes our audience. If you yeah. if you like what you're hearing, it's uh, really nice if you would retweet it. It's one thing to like it, but we try to get it out to people and get it out to more and more people all the time. So your retweets are huge for us. The other thing we talked about was sponsorship. And for us to continue to carry along, it's important to have good sponsors come on board and and in the past week i've had a few guys already reach out about sponsorship and i cannot thank you enough for that we'll continue to work with it because uh 
you know, it, obviously we we both have got a lot of things going on, and to do this for free for a year is uh, nice on our part because we love it. But it's also kind of nice to be able to cover off some of the costs involved in our time, and uh, it's uh, it, it to me it's it's one of those things we've just got to move ahead with, and we will. You know, we're kind of in a new area right now. So anyway, that's about it today, Rob, and I, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a fun show today. It was, uh, it was a blast to have Ken on, the, and I look forward to, uh, to talking more sports with you again next week. Well, I'll be here, and you're right. Uh, anytime we have Ken Reed on, it's a good, uh, it's a good spot. So I hope uh, people get into it like we did. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, and uh, let's go. was recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.